made it to this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Paper Pencil Podcast. I am Swarnavo and if you are a regular listener, then you know I host this podcast. And if this is your first time here, hi, welcome to the show. Every week, I invite people from the art world and we have conversations about their journey. They are quite interesting. You may be listening to this episode while, let's say, cooking or while taking a walk or maybe sketching or painting something. May I ask you for one tiny favor? Uh, can you help me spread the word about this podcast? Uh, maybe put it up on your Instagram stories, shout about it on Twitter. If you still happen to be on Facebook, then uh, wait, what are you still doing on Facebook? Okay. Or maybe go to your neighbors and tell them about this podcast. That will really help. More the merrier. Thanks for that. Now, coming to this episode, today we have with us Tarun. Tarun Lakshmi Narayanan, or as he prefers, Tarun Lak. In Sanskrit, the word Tarun means a young male. And he is indeed, at the time of recording, a young male based out of California. He is a character animator in Hollywood, has worked for Sony, and now he is with uh, Pixar. He has already been an animator for movies like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, my absolute favorite. Onward, Kubo and the Two Strings, and most recently, Soul from Pixar. I'm glad he could make out time uh, to have this conversation with me today. Uh, Tarun, welcome to the Paper Pencil Podcast. Hey, that was quite the intro. Thank you, Swanova. Yeah, Thanks. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. All right. So, Tarun, uh, of course, I have seen a bunch of your work, right? So, of course, uh, the movies that I just mentioned, of course, I have seen them. I think I've also seen a couple of your personal. I think Indian Vinay is another thing that you uh, have spent a lot of time on. And I think I've seen them on Instagram, if I'm not wrong. Uh, especially the one where this little girl, she uh, shares her tiffin with another friend. And I think uh, the other one where this guy goes to this uh, uh, this this coconut cellar and uh, this guy chops it off very nicely and then he gives it to him with a straw in it and this guy goes off walking. So these are things which I absolutely remember. Really, really loved them. Uh, really enjoyed them. And of course, there's Spider-Man and there's uh, Pete Doctor's soul and everything, right? So, you know what? Uh, let me pass it over to you. Uh, we'll start off with your journey, of course. So why don't you take us from like, where did it all begin? Because I know you're in California now, but you were in Chennai before this, right? So uh, if you could just yeah. take us through the whole journey. Yeah, so I I would consider Chennai my my home, but, um, and I, I grew up for the most part in Chennai, but I'm, I was actually born in the States, uh, so I was I lived here for a, like a few years when I was really really young, and then uh, me and my family we moved to Chennai, mm -hmm. where I, I spent the larger part of my childhood, basically from first standard to to uh, seventh, and then again from ninth to twelfth. Okay. So in the middle eighth eighth standard, I I we came back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I did one one year of middle school here and then mm -hmm. one back to Chennai. So yeah, I grew up a little bit um here and but mostly in India. So I have a little connection with, with both places. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I would I would definitely consider uh, Chennai my home. Mm -hmm. Uh even though it's it's been a little bit since I've visited right. um COVID. Um but yeah. So, yeah, art-wise, I was always kind of drawing since, like most of us, like since I can remember. 
uh, just doodling wherever, like nothing, nothing noteworthy uh, and nothing skill-wise, nothing amazing, just what kids would, would draw. Mm -hmm. Um, but then uh, as I started getting older, like I didn't, like most kids kept, would, would draw when you're, when they're super young, but right. uh, at, at a certain point they stop and right. they just focus more on whatever their interest is or studies right. or whatever it is. Um, but I, I always kept um, doodling mm -hmm. uh, in the back of uh, textbooks and notebooks and, and even the desks in, in school. Uh, they're all etched with uh, terrible drawings of mine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was always drawing. And then like, as I got older, I got more into, you know, some anime like Naruto and mm. Dragon Ball Z and uh, uh, Death Note. Those were, were big at a, at a certain point. Um, so I would draw a lot of those and then a lot of just nondescript characters that felt very influenced by those mm -hmm. uh, by those things so uh that was always there and then i i of course like like anyone else i loved cartoons too like the old um dexter's lab powerpuff right. girls right. samurai jack uh looney tunes was big big of course for me um yeah tons of i mean like stuff everyone tom and jerry like Right. stuff everyone knows and and grew up on so that was those were all like part of my childhood and then uh when i was really young like i i watched a lot of the old disney um classic films like lion king and jungle right. book and um even like 101 dalmatians they were all like in constant rotation mm -hmm. um when when we had a vhs uh player um and and the first toy story i literally right. of course remember. like those, those were like the, the toy story <laughs> one two and three they have i think every uh person from the art industry i talked to i think toy story in a way has been a big 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 part of most of the uh, i would say the early development stages of an artist most of them that i talk to these days uh toy story i think is one of those movies which has had a huge yeah. influence on the art world huge right yeah Totally. I mean, uh, they kind of introduced the whole new wave of animation from, right. from that film. So, yeah, that was, yeah, like anyone else, that was a big influence. And then growing up, you know, all the, the classic Pixar films that went on to be just classics like Nemo and mm -hmm. Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. Like those were all part of my, my childhood, too. But interesting, you, you mentioned the Toy Story trilogy, like to went when Toy Story 3 came out, mm -hmm. that was really the time um, when I watched it uh, in Chennai for the first time, like that's what, it blew me away to an extent that, that by the end of the movie, mm. that's when I knew like, oh, I, I have to I have to become an animator. Oh, it was nice. because of that movie. By, by the end of the film, like that film that gripped me so much. Right. Uh, by the, I was already a Pixar fan, but that film like really changed it for me right. where it, it it really ignited the the passion for it. And, and you were in school at um, that time right and yeah i was in uh 11th i caught the movie a little late like it had passed theater so i w only watched it on tv once it aired on tv mm -hmm. um, so i caught it a little late 
but yeah, I was in 11th. Um, and then it was like, okay, I have to become an animator and I uh, don't know how. So it was just a lot of going online and, and researching about it and reading as much as I could about right. um, what what is an animator's job and like how how do people get into it and the whole craft behind it, the history behind it, mm -hmm. you know, dating back to like Windsor McKay mm. uh, in the early 1900s. So like reading about all of that, like get, like it got me more and more passionate about about doing it. So yeah, I did as much research as I could and then um, convincing, had to convince my parents, you know, Indian parents, I was definitely right. on the, the path of like becoming uh, an engineer. And uh, that was just the kind of default path. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. But um, I wasn't particularly good at studies at all. Like mm -hmm. about, uh, I'd always kind of struggled mm -hmm. with studies. So it was never, never my strong suit to go into anything academic. Mm -hmm. um, so it took, it took a little bit to convince my, my parents. Um, but eventually, you know, they, they, uh, you know, I'm lucky that they came around and mm -hmm. they let me apply to colleges. Okay. Like, uh, let's apply to just a few colleges and see what happens. Right. So, right. and it was like, yeah, researching that colleges and, and trying to make a portfolio up until that point, I didn't have a, I never really taken any art classes or anything. So it was just kind of whatever I could draw mm. was um, seeing whatever examples Correct. there were online. Correct. Those were just my, my target to hit. Yeah. I did whatever I could applied to a few colleges. Luckily I got accepted to like three of them. And then um, Ringling was uh, Ringling College of Art and Design in Florida. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at a lot of just American uh, colleges and, and Canadian like Sheridan. Mm -hmm. um, and I was looking at some Indian colleges too, like um, NID. Of course, yeah. You know, I took the NID exam. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pass. <laughs> yeah, that's so very tough. That, that that exam, which is very, very tough. Uh, the, it's a tough exam. I mean, I thought I did okay, but I didn't. I didn't mm -hmm. clear it. That was the one school in India. I was like, at the at the time, at least, that was. I mean, it still is really highly regarded. Right. So, um, if it was going to be in India, I wanted to go there. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, I was looking at yeah stuff in in the West. So yeah, luckily I got into a couple of different ones here, and then ended up picking. Ringling College of Art and Design in, in Florida. They had a pretty good uh, track record of, of alumni who mm. went on to like work at, at all these big studios doing lots of different kinds of jobs. Right. Um, so I, yeah, packed my bags from Chennai and, and moved, moved over here. Yeah, everything, everything since then has been like kind of a flash, like everything feels like it happened so fast and there was so much learning after that point where you're finally like after being like the only art art kid mm -hmm. in school in Chennai then coming to a place where all of you uh, right. are the art kids 
right. that that's like a totally different feeling and but it's a, such a cool environment because you're around like-minded people with similar interests mm -hmm. but you all have something like unique that you're starting to discover as you go through the program like mm -hmm. the stuff you like your taste your sensibilities start to form just based on who you are and what kind of stuff you enjoy mm -hmm. so that that was really cool to really difficult program the computer animation program at ringling is pretty pretty packed with mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to to learn what is the duration of the course there it was four years yeah it's a bachelor's oh, okay. mm -hmm. bachelor's in fine arts degree mm -hmm. even though I, i don't think it's a fine art but <laughs> that that's the degree so when you say that you know what uh, getting into let's say ringling in this case Uh, can you take us through let's say the process of it like uh, so for example let's say when you spoke of nid i remember uh, there was a time uh, this was definitely after my college when i was in my first job i remember uh, whenever i used to get some free time i had this weird habit of going through the previous year nid question papers and i would just go and solve them of course i wouldn't like share it with anybody but of course just for my own practice i would solve them so if you remember uh, nid and i think most of the design schools would have it they have these questions where they give you a brief and then you are supposed to sketch something out of that so let's say uh, imagine you are an ant dining table and you're looking at this entire dining room so sketch the entire room from an ant's perspective so questions like these so i used to do them a lot because i found them to be great creative challenges i would say so now coming back they were, they were great i mean those prompts were very creatively engaging mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that, that's true. i think the, the questions were that weren't as easy were some of the more analytical right questions there was some, there was something some section of the exam that was more right uh, so so I, so i was of course going for the easy questions cuz i right. had the option right I, i remember there was another one which uh, i i had a lot of fun sketching which was i imagine you're in a room where the gravity suddenly goes off like there's no gravity and things are floating around so you have to draw from that perspective again like things are floating around so that that was very cool but anyway coming back so when you get into ringling uh, as an indian student and i'm going to specifically use the word indian over here as an indian student what all were you trying to do to kind of get your chances like to get into these colleges like get a high chance of getting to these colleges what are you really doing to make it happen uh that's a good question i don't really know i i mean i wasn't really thinking of myself as an indian student mm -hmm. with so with very peculiar you know indian background coming with a certain set of experience and tackling the problem with a certain way mm -hmm. i was just kind of looking at what successful portfolios were mm -hmm. and trying to do the closest thing to that luckily it worked out like i don't i didn't really know what i was doing there were some requirements that they had asked for in the portfolio like you had to have life drawing and and some observational sketches like zoo sketches were mm -hmm. were one thing and and some kind of still life drawing right so i was just like going down the list and like okay like do a few of these and then something cartoony to like right. exaggerated to to draw so i just made up some character that i like it looked like mr incredible but like just oh. different enough that it you, you wouldn't totally recognize him as mr incredible anyway I don't know I kind of did something right. and luckily it worked out 
So, so how much time did it take you to create the portfolio, like the final portfolio which you were sending across? Right. I mean, I did a few different ones because the different colleges asked for different kinds of right. portfolios. So, like CalArts had asked for a whole sketchbook mm-hmm. uh, of of just whatever you you sketch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so different colleges had different requirements. So I just kind of did whatever they needed at the at the time of the application and and would work on the next one. So I don't know how much time it took, but it, it I didn't have too much time to work on it because right. I was also in the middle of exams like CBSE 11th and 12th um, for any CBSE mm-hmm. students out there. Like, you know yeah, how exactly. hectic the, the study schedule is. Um, and on top of that, like I'm going to tuition classes mm-hmm. for for chemistry and math right. and like all of these things that everyone does. Um, so and and struggling with all of that. So balancing that homework and then uh, whatever little time I could find mm-hmm. was to was like, okay, I got to figure out this portfolio thing. Okay. Um, so, so here's an interesting, at least in my head, it's interesting. So 11th and 12th, right? So of course, so for any kid, again, in India, because I don't know how the situation is out there. But uh, for any kid, let's say in CBSE or ICSE or any of the uh, Indian uh, programs, right, curriculums, 11th and 12th is one of the, I would say the craziest and the, uh, the most, I would say, I call it a pressure cooker situation. So it's one of the probably the the, the biggest pressure they have is the, around that time when they're growing up, right? So the 11th and 12th thing. Now, uh, my question to you, Tarun, is I know that you wanted to be an animator, but did you have a plan B as in, if not an animator, then what would Tarun be? No, I didn't I didn't have a solid plan. I, I think I would have probably just ended up doing engin- some, some engineering, maybe computer science. Because mm-hmm. that that was the group I was in in eleventh and twelfth mm-hmm. was the computer science track, right? So I would have probably just gone into that, or I I'd given some thought to architecture mm. as like a middle ground where it's like okay, there's, there's, right. at least some drawing is there, at yeah, least there's some, some sort of a thing, some yeah, artistic inclination. But then I wasn't a big like um, like I like drawing characters, but not really like structures, right? buildings and like even though all of that is like super cool and the the thinking Mm -hmm. behind it is uh incredible that wasn't what drew me toward art really like now i have a greater appreciation for Mm -hmm. it but not not in the way that uh this is what i want to do every day you know Uh, but to be honest i didn't really have a plan b like Mm -hmm. uh and luckily when i found out that i gotten into a couple of the colleges it was i was still in the process of writing um my board exams my 12th boards so it was early enough that i knew that okay like i didn't have to go and write the the ai triple e or the id like any uh, any of the things that you would need to to do Mm -hmm. for the, the other um programs so luckily I found out early enough. So that, that was it. I um, I think like I already knew but before the board exams were done, like, yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. ring wing. So all I had to do at that point was just like pass. Finish it up <laughs> and wait. Yeah, exactly. Just finish, just uh, finish high school and then, and then I'm done. You're done. Uh, 
wow yeah. oh, that that that's a good feeling i must say okay now uh, let, let's move on to the next part that you were just talking about so you move from chennai to let's say the states and you go to ringling and as you said the first thing you noticed was that uh, in chennai you were that one kid who used to sketch like this guy he has something and he does sketches and and he does drawings a lot but uh, now you are in a group where everybody is uh, like has an artistic inclination as you said right uh, my first question is how does that affect how does that affect because see I'll, again i'll tell you where this question is from i don't have that experience right so i've always been the kid in that group who still okay yeah he still sketches like you know what and like you correctly said uh, my friends all of them while we were kids they used to sketch and make art but then as they grew up the kind of, it kind of moved away from them for me it also stayed right it stayed with me for all these yeah. uh, almost 30 years now now the idea is uh, how does it impact you how does uh, being in that environment where everybody is talking about art or somehow interested how does it impact you one and the second is uh, you said that in ringling as the more time you spend the more your sensibilities grew the more i would say yeah. uh, mature you became in terms of let's say your artistic understanding uh, if you can also tell us a little bit about that so one the environment well i mean that that part i mean that's like uh, as you do more art just in general not necessarily even staying in college mm-hmm. but like over time your sensibilities just grow and change and mm-hmm. get more specific just because you start to figure out more and more what you like and and art a big fan of so um and also stretch yourself in different ways so anyway right. that's all part of just getting better is mm-hmm. figuring out what you like how did you change how did you because i know you said that you were into let's say uh, a lot of the cartoon network uh, cartoons and and uh, pixar of course and then there was manga as well uh, how did you change when you started exploring this other side of you it's not i, I don't think i was that um i wasn't trying to think of it um on on purpose while 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 i was going through the program i think it's just something that organically happens over time and then you kind of need to just let it happen instead of starting to control it too much which i think that a lot of people go through that phase of like trying to control almost too much like what your influences are uh, right i know what like you suddenly you fit you discover this awesome artist and then you start to emulate Absolutely. their style and just draw the things that they draw right but that's not really you like mm-hmm. you're just you're just enamored by whatever they've done mm-hmm. but it's like a cool learning mechanism uh, it's cool to learn from those people because they it starts to influence you a little by little mm-hmm. and then once you move on from one influence like it mm-hmm. it all starts to pile up and and right. grow and, and uh eventually whatever the amalgam is right is what whatever you are right uh so i, I Yeah, I think all of us uh, like going through college all, all of us kind of went through that, but it was definitely on the earlier stage of it where it felt like initially a lot of us had like the same uh things we were getting inspired mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. But then as time went on, like oh, you could see like oh, this guy likes like these kind of TV shows that are more mm-hmm. zany and stuff and then this person likes the really like quiet subdued movies like that mm. you start to see those kind of tastes start mm. to formulate mm. and then the more assignments we do the more 
we had to like create our own things. So those things all start to influence mm-hmm. um, your work. And then, but also getting exposed because you're in that environment where you're with a lot of people like you, you get influenced by the people around you and what they're into. Right. So it's just like, it was just cool to, yeah, it, it was just like boot camp just from the curriculum itself of what the assignments were and how much we had to learn, mm-hmm. just like almost technical ability um, and how to like think in, in a certain way. But also like you're in this community where everyone is influencing each other. That was, mm-hmm. um, um, and, and you, you just start to learn from each other even even more so than learning from the teachers themselves true i think i think what you're saying is that the exposure increases like crazy once you're in that environment because everybody yeah, it's, like, it's invigorating like it's almost like uh-huh. a like initially it felt like a high because uh-huh. it was something i hadn't quite felt before right um yeah and, and then it's like 24 7 like you're right. just thinking about the same stuff and constantly like learning as much as as you can and getting exposed to as much as you can and and being able to even see more like one of the big things that um going through art school does is is you're able to start seeing things you weren't able to see before like what do you mean seeing color Mm -hmm. for one thing is like yeah like every day day day-to-day life you you go by and you're seeing colors all around you, right. but you're not really seeing it for what it is. Like until you actually start studying mm-hmm. color and like doing um, still life painting right. or something, like that's really the time when you start to notice like, oh, this, what I thought was red is actually not red at all. Right. It's this weird like right. purplish hue. And then you start seeing, oh, like the shadow is not, like black like black. I oh yes like yes. it's it's actually blue like there are things like that that in multiple disciplines of art where you start to see things mm-hmm. and um you know in film mm-hmm. when you're watching film you're constantly seeing composed someone has composed each right. image right in a film and then but growing up when you're watching a film like no one's noticing noticing that, that yeah you're just watching the film but then once you start learning about composition and how a camera works and why they're doing certain things with a camera and the way they're cutting things all of a sudden you start to see all these things right. um, that you previously couldn't see um and and like figure drawing another thing is like you know really seeing hum- human anatomy like until you actually sit and draw yes a yeah, human figure yeah. like a hundred times you don't really know what's happening True. in the human body True. Uh, so all of these things collectively start influencing you and you start to see way more things than you ever thought were there yeah and then sh- seeing shapes like graphic mm-hmm. shapes and everything correct correct right there are different ways you can see almost anything like even in real life you can break down <laughs> things in shapes patterns colors textures w- whatever it is movement 
Tarun, you know what? Everything, the four things that you just mentioned right now, I could so well connect to each of those four things because, again, in my personal journey, I've been through exactly those things. So let's talk about the shadow color that you said, right? So uh, I think earlier this month, I took up an online course on uh, light and shadow, right? Because I realized that that's one of the things which I really want to learn even better. And uh, one of the things that they were mentioning about is that the thing that you just said, that shadow is not black. It's not always black. Right, it, it has a lot of uh, influence from the ambient light as well. Right, if it's under the sky, so then the shadow is slightly bluish in color and so on and so forth. Right, if the tones are warmer, the shadow is also a very darker shade of brown or yellow in that case. Right, so yeah. before that, I would always, uh, whenever I had to draw shadow, I would just go to my palette, take the black color, and just go for the shadow right then and there. Right, but that day when I did that course. Uh, I remember it was afternoon on a weekend. All of a sudden, it's like a light bulb. Like all, like there's the switch that goes off. That uh -huh. you, you, it's like you just realized, like you're in the matrix or something. Yes, like, yes, it's yes. Hard to absolutely. see. Oh, this is not actually what I thought it was. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, you, you know what? So I was, I was, it was this weekend, and I was lying on the bed in the afternoon. I was like, just, just trying to like. I had just done that course, and I was trying to kind of put like process everything. And I suddenly noticed the uh, light coming out from the window and uh, the shadows it was creating across the room. And I realized that the shadows were so many different colors. They were not just black, but so many other variations and hues. And trust me, I had that aha moment where I suddenly like my it was like my eyes suddenly opened up to something which I had yeah, yeah. never noticed before. Uh, same thing happened, let's say, when I was doing figure drawing. Right. So I, I do uh, do this as a personal practice a lot. Before that, you would never notice about, let's say, the line of action, right? Mm -hmm. And then the moment you start figure drawing and you figure out, okay, this is called line of action, then you cannot see anything but line of action first. Like the yeah. moment you look at a pose, the first thing you see is line of action and then the rest of it flows. So I absolutely agree with you about that, uh, the, the learning to see part that makes so much sense. All right. Yeah, yeah and that that continues. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. to this day, I'm still fairly early in my career that that still happens, not to as much of a crazy, mm -hmm. like, aha moment extent, but it still happens like on a more subtle level. Right. And like the deeper you get into whatever craft it is that you're getting into, um, the more you start to see the element, the mm -hmm. individual constructed elements of that craft like one thing for me because i'm an animator uh, timing is a big part yeah, of animation. like hmm. um and for a long time i couldn't really understand how to see timing or even like try to comprehend it like mm -hmm. i i could see things in images but if things weren't clicking to me in the way things were timed in yeah in time mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. um so that took a while, but then once it clicked, it was like, oh, I get it now. Like I know how to see it and now I know how to play around with it. Right. Once you start to see it, then okay, like the next step is like it's almost like how do you actually do something movie. with seeing it? You know? What you just said is almost like a Doctor Strange movie where you're suddenly like able to control time in a way. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> it sounds crazy, but yeah, like animators, we, we have to think, like half our job is timing. Like even though it, it's all visual in the end, but it's a visual that's changing mm -hmm. across time, right? Like a movie is like whatever, one or, or an hour and a half long. Like 
the change in a picture mm. over time is what gives you a moving image. Movement. Correct, correct. Yeah. But would you also agree that? Uh, so I, I, I was just thinking about it while you were uh, speaking that the people who are really so since we are talking about animation. I think the people who are really good at their craft, like you said, uh, they would reach a position where I think the audience will no longer realize that they're doing something. They would be so much involved in the, uh, let's say, storytelling. So, for example, let's say animation. Uh, after you get really good at animating, I think you reach a stage where the audience forgets that they are actually watching something which is animated. They actually just become so involved in the story because they're. animation that the skill the craft becomes so much uh, i would say good right yeah it has to become invisible hmm, that's exactly the, that's exactly. the trick the, the first thing is like okay you have to learn to see things mm-hmm. okay now that you know how to see things how do you play around with it mm-hmm. and then once you learn how to play around with it then it's like okay how do you play around with it in the way that you're ask, actually masking right. what you're doing so that right. it's invisible to the audience and then and that's where that's where you're really in business is when you're able to handle that well right. under like different circumstances right um and and you're able to manipulate things to that extent right. right and i think i think spider-man is a very good example of that right like into the spider-verse the movie because uh i have been reading about it so uh i have the book as i told you before recording right so the the art book and one thing which i constantly read is that uh, the creators were constantly trying to move away from the traditional approach to animation in a lot of ways right they were trying to do a lot of let's say uh, 3d but in a 2d approach having that let's say that that printed that comic book sort of a, a feel to it as well in terms of the textures and everything uh, lighting as well i think spiderman did that quite well where you would realize from time to time uh, that wait physics real world physics does not apply in this world because so many things so for example let's say spiderman the last scene where there's this huge fight scene going on right uh, and and in that scene the whole sense of space and physics i think it's it's gone for a toss but then you still are into that story because they're saying that so well the whole storytelling bit using that those new laws of that world they're doing it so well that you just get pulled into that and you're no longer thinking about gravity and stuff like that correct yeah but uh, i mean you're right but that said mm-hmm. you know gravity is still a big part like we can play around with gravity to a certain extent mm-hmm. but if people are on like if the characters are on like earth or mm-hmm. something similar to earth then you want it to feel familiar enough that it, right. it doesn't call itself out right? right so what you're saying with the third act where things go crazy all of us were still thinking about weight mm. and and gravity but what the filmmaking is doing like the shots and everything were constructed in a way where you don't really know where the ground is mm-hmm. exactly so, exactly but the weight of everything is still intact mm-hmm. which is what which is what gives you enough believability to follow whatever the character is happening doing. so that that's the key like the weight if if whatever it is that's being animated has a certain weight that needs to be intact right um, follow for, for the for the magic trick to really work right like you need to not feel that something is off like Make physically sense. 
Um, Makes sense. But within within the rules of the world, there are ways we can bend it mm -hmm. um, to to what we need for like a comedic beat or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a certain level of like you can hold things in air just long enough that it's like it gives you a funny feel like a funny punch. Right. right. Um, but then he falls flat to the ground. You know, the way you play with that timing, right. you're still right. using the laws of gravity, but you're kind of caricaturing it in a way where you're you're extracting entertainment out right. of it. So you're think, playing think... with the rules of the world. A good example of that, again, going back to Spider-Man, would be the Looney Tunes uh, laws of physics coming into the uh, character, right. right? So let's say uh, it was Spider-Ham, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So in, in that, you would see that in the same world where the gravity is working, let's since we're talking about gravity, uh, the gravity is affecting the other characters in a different way. But for, let's say, Spider-Ham, it's in a different level completely because uh, he comes from a Looney Tunes world where things yeah. before falling down, they suspend uh, for a while and then they yeah. fall down for comedic effect. Right. Yeah. Okay. Totally, yeah. And that's that's set up by the rules of uh, the world. Like you kind of have to set up the expectation with mm -hmm, the audience mm -hmm. that, hey, this is what you're watching. Like in Spider-Verse, right. immediately the first, like the first scene of the movie you're introduced to all the visual elements of this film, like right. the, the dotted texture, the, the ink lines, the impact mm -hmm. lines, like uh, the, the painted look, like all of that is introduced to you right away. And mm -hmm. it's like, bam, here it is. This is what you're watching. And, and then now the right. audience is set up. Okay, like our expectations are, this right. is what we're watching. So within this world, we can play with things a little bit. Right. Um, and then, I mean, with Spider-Ham, like he comes from a different world. So right. what we have to do is like, kind of try to uh, tell the audience, hey, this guy is coming from a different world and it's like the Looney Tunes world. Right. So how fast can we like tell you that on mm -hmm. screen? And, uh, like that's part of like, you know, what the directors have to think about is like the, the filmmaking behind it. Like he, here's a character that's totally different from right. everyone else, but we need the audience to understand who he is, why why is he this way? Um, was lighting also a, a factor? So since you were there behind the scenes in Spider-Verse, uh, was lighting also a factor? Because now I'm thinking, let's say the way light was affecting a very 2D-ish character like Spider-Ham, and let's say yeah. on a different note, if I, let's say, take uh, the Spider-Man Noah, right? So the, the whole yeah. black and white gritty sort of a thing. Uh, was light also treated in a different way for these characters? I, I would say every element is treated a specific way mm -hmm. toward um, the world building of um, whatever film or character. Mm -hmm. So with, with those two characters, you know, Spider-Ham, if he's coming from a more cartoony world, that means... You know, what are you more familiar with in cartoony worlds? Like it's flatter lighting, it's flatter colors, less detail, simplified shapes. So uh, caricature movement, like less anatomy or mm. le less like, uh, like um, you know, realistic anatomy. Right. So you kind of have to, you're playing with all of those rules in any world you create. This is like across any, mm. um, you know, animated film, uh, really, like you're, you, those are all the levers you have to pull mm -hmm. right. to change the look and tone of things, mm. you know, uh, timing is another one, like, like you said, like, 
um, Spider-Ham has very pushed timing mm. versus the, the regular world in Spider-Verse, you know, they're, it's a more naturalistic right. world. So fairly naturalistic timing. Like you don't see characters just zip across mm. screen if they're just running, you know? Um, so things like that. Yeah, lighting is affected. Color is affected. Right. Textures are affected. Of course. Movement yeah. is affected. Character design is affected, of course. Um, and, and even the way they pace uh the, the the filmmaking like in editorial mm -hmm. in, in the edit you know the the way things are timed out in their beats mm -hmm. those are even treated a little differently because they're going for that tone of like a looney tunes feeling yeah. world so it's not just one thing if you were only playing with one thing then you're then it probably actually won't work right because you need all the elements to kind of come together uh, mesh together right. to, to create one holistic feeling um so with the regular world in spider-verse you know you you see the the painted textures like er everything is all coming together mm. to service like one goal mm -hmm. right so of the, the the comic book aesthetic right that, that's what we were going for so I think it must have been like very difficult, especially for that movie, because they were trying to do so many different worlds in one on one yeah. screen. So the, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it must have been very difficult for them to achieve that. But man, I, I see right now after talking so much about Spider Verse, I I I just have this one wish: if I could just go back to the theaters and watch Spider Verse again on that large screen, I would I would. I would pay good money to do that. I love that movie so much. My God. Okay. So, you know what? Let's use that as a, as a kind of a vehicle to kind of get into the next phase of your life, right? So, uh, we spoke about the wrangling uh, phase and, and then uh, you got a job. So, how does that work like? So, what happened there? Right. So, I mean, uh, while I was at Ringling, you know, they have a pretty good career services program and like industry connections in general mm -hmm. um, where like, they, they have connection with all the studios that are uh, out here. So um, every now and then, you know, some, all, all these studios will make their way to school if, they, if they're hiring, mm -hmm. you know, they would come by, do a presentation and uh, interview some mm -hmm. folks for like different internships and stuff. So, right. um, and of course those were highly sought after because like internships are your, really your you know foot in the door mm -hmm. to the industry so um yeah so those were always sought after i mean and they're hard to get into because they're obviously very competitive right. with uh, tons of people applying not just from your college but every college yeah you know? yeah so in junior year i i did an internship at leica um in in portland oregon mm -hmm. Uh, well, really Hillsborough, Oregon, but yeah, the, the stop motion house. So it's stop motion, but um, so my junior year, I, I was lucky enough to land an internship with them, but they're a stop motion house, but they had these CG positions mm -hmm. because I, I was learning CG animation, right? Um, they did all their crowds or most of their crowds in um, CG. Okay. Uh, to, to make it look like stop motion, just so they, they don't have to go through the effort of mm -hmm. animating mm -hmm. hundreds of 
uh, stop motion part. So yeah, I, I um, didn't, that, that was my really foot in the door um, moment for me, like working three months for, for the internship at Leica. And I, I got to do some crowds work on uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, mm -hmm. which was a, a really great experience, a great in intro to what it's like working in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, very, uh, yeah, it was a great place, great experience, great people. Um, and just like getting to feel what it's like working on a movie, like right. on a day-to-day -day basis, like in, what, what yeah. are the things that you're thinking about? What are, how do reviews work? How do you work with people? What is mm -hmm. a pipeline? How do you work in a pipeline? You know, there are all these structures in place. Uh, you're not in a very loose student environment anymore. So uh, you got to go home at a certain point. Like there's no like spending an all nighter mm -hmm. um, working on something um, and then getting paid to do work. That's, that's nice. That's a big deal, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that was a good experience. Um, and then I went back to finish my fourth year and at Ringling, we have to do like a, a short film for our fourth year. So I made a film and then, uh, and then it was like job hunt time. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to get a job at this commercial studio in LA called PSYOP. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they did a lot of animated commercials and some cinematics and like, um, yeah, a bunch of stuff like that, that they kind of do for clients, like short form stuff for clients. Uh, so yeah, there I got to do like a lot of different types of work. Like every three weeks was like a different project. Oh, uh, wow. So it's like a very fast turnaround where, yeah, like one day you're on like a very cartoony mm -hmm. aesthetic, um, commercial and then then the next day you're on a fairly realistic looking cinematic well wow. you know like so i mean i'm exaggerating day by day but um yeah every three weeks on average it was kind of like okay like yeah go on to the next project so there was a lot of like good experience and like changing like adapting to different projects mm -hmm. under different directors uh, with different aesthetics and then still like having to work within a deadline with other people and like how do you address notes and so there are all these things and then on top of that I was when I graduated I wasn't I wasn't that efficient of an animator so um, it was a little slow but then doing commercials because I had to do a lot you know and and address a lot of notes like that got me to become more efficient in my workflow like right uh, if i had to make a change like it wouldn't take me too long you mm -hmm. know that was a huge benefit of working there and again a lot of great people i got to work with over there uh, at some point yeah i had uh, i was working on some personal tests on the side just to uh keep improving my demo reel mm -hmm. So yeah, for an animator, for any kind of static art 
right? The um, portfolio versus position. Yeah. Like you would submit a portfolio, but for animators and anything like visual across time, right. you know, like effects and simulation and all those things, like you're submitting a demo reel of your just your best work. So mm. I kept working on my own uh, tests to keep getting better at like acting mm. and performance. So that's something I kept working on. And then at some point I sent my reel over to Sony and then um, uh, they liked it enough to interview me for mm. a couple of things. And then, yeah, and then I got the job on Spider-Verse. Yeah, and, and then but but the before scene. I think Sorry? It was the establishing scene of Spider-Verse, right? Where uh, Miles comes out of his house and walks to the new school. I think that was one of the things you'd worked on. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, I wouldn't it's one of the establishing scenes of Miles, I guess. Um mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't call it the establishing mm -hmm. scene. There were the, that whole sequence with, right. it was called it was called MMM sequence, like meet Miles Morales. Oh. Um, so that that whole sequence is like, yeah, that's your intro to the character. Right. Um, but yeah, just to back up a little bit, before I actually went on to Spider-Verse, I did a little stint um, animating on a little show called uh, Ask the Storybots for like a month or so, just okay. as a freelancer. Um, uh, it was a Netflix show that Jib Jab was doing and they were based in LA. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for a little bit, just as like something different to try out real quick, right. and then jumped over to to Sony to work on um, the the feature. Um, yeah, and then Spider Verse, like that was a great, that was such an incredible uh, experience, like massive learning curve. Mm -hmm. You know that that was like my that was my second schooling was that oh, movie right. that really mm -hmm. taught me. Um, everything that, that I, I know now, <laughs> right. at least. Uh, yeah, and uh, the cool thing about that was once I started to, to do okay on like some small shots, like because I was new and, and like a junior, like I was getting like, you know, really small shots to start mm -hmm. off with. That's typically what happens um, when, when you join a feature. But um, once I start getting comfortable and they start trusting me more, then they start giving right. us more challenging shots. Um, so, so that was really cool to go through. And then like, okay, once I start to like gain confidence in simpler work, then go to the next level mm -hmm. and then the next level. Uh, and then at some point I ended up with uh, getting cast that, that shot where Miles leaves home uh after his mom kisses him right. he climbs down the stairs uh leaves says goodbye to his mom and then uh walks um old walks by his old school with right. with all his like friends from his old school uh around him and uh the director called it like this is like where miles is in his element mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. what i had to communicate in that shot where it's this big oneer um where uh you know you're following the character as right. he's doing stuff as you're learning about him mm -hmm. and going about his daily routine almost so right. you had to see him in his element um massively challenging shot that took me like two months to, to finish and it was still not enough time wow like um 
I had to I had to let it go just because there's only a certain amount of time you can spend on something. Okay, and so I have uh, a question here. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you, but I have a question. So two months you worked on this shot, right? Yeah. And uh, this is something which I find very uh, fascinating about animation and animators, of course. Uh, this entire shot, how long was it? Like, as in, in terms of duration, must be like less than a minute, right? It's it's twenty seconds. Yeah, it's way less than a minute. Yeah, yeah. Twenty, 20 seconds, seconds, two yeah. months. My God, which that is actually the normal the normal uh, amount of footage that one would animate in that span of time. Like on oh average, gosh, uh, feature film animators would animate three to four seconds, sometimes five seconds a week. That's kind of the general average output right. of a feature film animator. So 20 seconds in two months isn't much, uh, like that's somewhat normal. It's right. just that all the 20 seconds was in one shot. And that right. shot was personally very challenging on many different levels. And it was also important for the film because it's part of-, of course, Huge so, respect, man, huge respect. Like you guys, animators have so much patience my god your job is not easy your job is so not easy it, but it is enjoyable like of course it, yeah. it, it does become a a drag sometimes like spending two months on the same assignment like you can definitely you can definitely lose sight of mm -hmm. what what your work is um yeah it was very challenging especially for me being somewhat inexperienced mm -hmm. animator at the at the time, um, like I had only been working for about uh, a little over a year at that right. point. So, uh, to get, uh, it was like technically challenging, creatively challenging, mm -hmm. with all the additional challenges of what the, the film is and everything. So yeah, it was kind of like, I, I call it like throwing, throwing you in the deep end. Like at right. some point you just have to like, someone has to just, throw you, you in the right. in the pool and you just like figure out how to swim mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you can't swim then great like you're uh, you're done <laughs> um they'll they'll know and then and then you'll also know like okay like i wasn't i wasn't mm -hmm. ready um but then the great thing is like when it does like you just have to swim at that point like there's <laughs> no there's they no other option so you just mm -hmm. you just kind of do it and then all you come out the other end um, having grown. So mm -hmm. that, that was the great thing about it. And I had a really good lead who helped me through it, you know, um, who I, I learned a lot from like the, the lead that I had and the supervisor that I had who was responsible for, you know, the animation on the entire film. Um, they were, uh, and all the other animators that I worked with, you know, they were all, um, people I learned a lot from. Of course. Uh, okay, so before we move out of the Spider-Man uh, theme, because uh, I know we've been spending a lot of time, but of course it deserves it. Uh, right, so uh, when you finally watched uh, it in the theaters, right, and this is a question I had asked Naveen as well when he was here for uh, the yeah. podcast. So when you are in the theaters and you finally sit down and the movie starts and that scene, the 20 seconds play through uh, in front of you, right? How yeah. did that feel? Like, how did that feel? It feels weird. Like, I, I don't really know. It goes by like this. Like, it uh -huh. goes by in a flash because all of a sudden you see two months just kind of 
fly by in 20 seconds and then it's it's gone uh but that that's that's the job right like, right um you need it to fit in to the film mm-hmm. and not let it call itself out too much mm-hmm. like it needs to work as part of the whole thing so yeah i i don't really know what i felt like it was cool i guess but i'd also by that point i had moved on like i i i feel like after i i'm done on a project mm-hmm. like i'm i've moved on like my okay. mind has moved on to whatever i'm yeah, on yeah. next mm-hmm. and the the movie or whatever it is only comes out after like months after i finished working right. on it right right so i'm already on the next thing mm-hmm. and then i see the product that i did like a few months ago and i see it i'm like oh that's cool all right like but my mind is already on the next thing so makes sense i've kind of moved on but then that's when the audience gets to see it's a little strange um yeah okay. i i felt the same thing on soul like because soul came out especially it got delayed a couple right. times right there was right. an even more of a gap between when i worked on it and when it the audience saw it mm-hmm. uh so but by that point i was more than halfway done on the next project so i was too deep into the next thing to really mm-hmm. um remember like every uh sweat i <laughs> poured into the last thing yeah makes sense okay okay so uh, of course we will get into soul but uh, before we go in there i think this is a Uh, a question i should have probably asked you a little uh, before this but i think i think uh, let's let's still get into that before we move ahead which is uh, what do you really do so uh, i know you're an animator so can you just probably for the audience uh, tell us like what what is your job what is it that you really do so i i know let's say uh, let's say an art director does this particular thing let's say a character designer does a particular thing let's say a, a person who is in, works for let's say making the lighting keys does this one thing storyboard does this one thing what is it that you do um yeah to kind of boil it down simply it would be i mean most people would describe it as like bringing the characters to life like that's mm-hmm. what the animator's job is like at least a a character animator for mm-hmm. for films is to bring the characters to life like the story is already pretty much set mm-hmm. um so you're kind of working to imbue life in the characters but for it also to work within the film itself with believable acting mm-hmm. believable weight and all all these things that are going to make it an immersive viewing experience when you're watching these characters on screen for you to connect with them right um there's a lot of detail in like how do you actually um make a character feel alive even though right. they're not they're just computer data of course okay right? and uh, so, what tools do you use There's a couple of different softwares like the most common industry standard is Maya. Mhm. Um and then each studio kind of has their own little set of tools that go along with that. Um mm-hmm. at, at Pixar we have our own software called Presto that that we use to mm-hmm. to animate. Um but the tools within that uh, I don't know if I describe it if it, it's going to make any sense like it's a lot of 
you're you see the can the character you can puppet it in a lot of different ways there are a lot of controls the rigging get the yeah the the rig the character yeah. rig so there's a lot of controls for you to use to be able to move the the rig yeah you can kind of tumble around you can look at it from any angle you need mm -hmm. to animate from and uh there are like usually like a couple couple to yeah around a couple thousand controls on each character right so uh it's kind of like handling all of that in a sensible way mm -hmm. for what the scene needs um and and choreographing things in the shot to aid with the storytelling mm -hmm. and uh creatively what what are you doing like what are you thinking about um it, it comes down to the acting really like when you're watching the film you want to feel like these characters are alive mm -hmm. and they're really going through whatever it is they're going through in the scene so making that believable like that that's where the performance craft comes in right um, like why acting is is so important um and and physicality and then comedy drama like how how are you able to handle those things like subtlety um action you know what these things that you were taught in school or are these things that you picked up yourself later so all these nuances if i may call it did you like learn it in school yeah or? you're kind of taught some of them in school i would say like you can only learn it's it's kind of impossible to learn it all in mm -hmm. college because it's because it's an art you're just constantly learning mm -hmm. like uh throughout the time you're doing it so it never really ends um yeah like in college you kind of start out with very basic assignments like right. the very first basic assignment that any um person learning animation would do is a bouncing ball oh uh, yeah all right like right. the core the core of like everything is a bouncing ball like because that's where you really learn about the simplest way to show weight in mm. something it's right. just the bouncing ball so Uh, that's the core thing and then you progress to like the next thing like different weights of a ball mm -hmm. like yeah down the line if you're animating on film you're going to animate uh, a character that is kingpin and mm -hmm. miles on the other end right. and they're they're characters that have two completely different weights absolutely so that boiled down is essentially a lighter ball and a heavier and a heavier ball. ball right right So, and the contrast is huge kingpin and let's say if i look at the physicality of kingpin versus miles morales especially in this movie it's huge kingpin's like the entire shape yeah, and everything massive, is huge yeah. massive yeah yeah so boiled down though their weight mm -hmm. is just like how to convincingly show different weighted objects that's like the next thing and then and then you slowly start to layer mechanics where you're learning how to do a walk just with legs Mhm mm on a ball and then right. it's like okay then you get like a character walking right um, and then maybe somewhere in there there's like this overlap assignment where you you learn about the principle of overlap like how a flag waves in wind like mm -hmm. how how does that act, action actually break down frame oh. by frame oh uh, so learning about that and then starting to get into human mechanics where a character just walking the walk like, cycle right convincing um mechanics in a walk and then it's like okay how do you show a walk but then with 
specific character, right? That that's where some of the creativity starts to come right. in. Is, so is let's say a you, character who's very happy and has a bounce in the steps would walk very right. differently than a character who's let's say drunk, right? So uh, two right. very different ways of walking. It make, makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, and those are like still fairly like um, fundamental mm, assignments, mm, mm. and then things get more complicated. Then you at some point you you have a character do some kind of big action like running and jumping. Mm-hmm. And then there's usually some kind of like a dialogue where we start to get into a person talking. Right. Um, there's a whole different level of nuance when it comes to uh, performances its own beast. Right. Um, eyes alone mm-hmm. are a huge focus for animators because um, the audience is most of the time Noticing you're that. connecting to a character through the eyes. So the eyes have to be rock solid in, in what the intentions are. So there's a lot of, a lot of thought and how, okay, how people behave. Yeah. No, so interesting that you're talking about the eyes because, okay, I, I'm again, sorry to cut you, but uh, I have yeah. noticed your personal work. Okay. The one that you put on, let's say Instagram or YouTube, let's say the Indian veneer one. I've one the first thing that I noticed, Tarun, was that uh, when you were doing your 2D uh, animation, the the ones that you put out on Instagram, uh, for the eyes, you don't really go for the usual eyes that animators prefer that I have seen, uh, the like large ones with an eyeball and everything. I'd rather see yeah. you use a dot for the eye, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there a, is there a reason behind that, or is this just like a something you came up with? Well, aesthetically, I liked it for those just because. The eyes with with those people. I'm like, I mean, first of all, aesthetically, I like the way just dot simple mm. dot eyes can mm. look. Now mm. there are certain things you can't do with that. Right. Like really uh, subtle, nuanced emotion is very difficult to achieve with right. with that. But I wasn't gonna do any kind of complicated emotional acting mm-hmm. with those scenes that I was setting up. So. It didn't really demand for too much eye acting. But the eyes had to be there, mm. but they can be very simple in their right. acting. So all, the most you're going to see from them are like blinks and like directional changes. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's fairly simple. So I could get away with mm. dot eyes essentially. I mean, you can do a little more than that with dot eyes, but I didn't need to. For the story for those scenes, like those those scenes were designed to be very simple right. and not a lot of complex emotional baggage for the for the characters. Right, right, and yeah, of course the scenes are very simple. They're like slices of life from every day that you generally see. That that that's definitely a good idea. Okay, and sure. aesthetically, I mean, like you'll see a lot of children's books mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. with, with dot eyes. Dot eyes. Right. They're just charming to look at. True. So there's some of like an aesthetic quality um, that I'm that I was chasing with that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So moving over, uh, we will probably slowly go towards the end of this conversation. But before that, just wanted to quickly check uh, what what about Soul? So Spider Man, we spoke about for a long time now. Soul again, a beautiful movie in terms of the light and the colors and everything. Uh, music, of course. But uh, what were you doing in Soul? So what was your role like? Uh, yeah, I was like, again a, a character animator on on the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it was yeah, it was one of those films that 
was like very thought provoking and it asked you to, as an animator, it asked you to, you know, do your research and really think about uh, what you're putting in to, mm -hmm. to these scenes. So a few, like I, I touched a little bit of uh, Joe 22, uh, like Soul Joe and Soul 22, but then also 22 in Soul's, uh, mm -hmm. 22 in Joe's body right. and Joe in the cat's body. Right. Um, and then the barber in the barbershop scene. Right. Um, yeah, Th those were mainly it. I did a little bit of helping out on one of the counselor characters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say like the one of the interesting challenges with that with that film was how figuring out how to show one person in a different person's body. Ah, uh, right, right, right. Like Joe in his own body is one character, mm -hmm. right? But then what what happens when you actually take out his character from his body, right. put that into a cat, right? And then you take a different soul, twenty two, right. put her in Joe's body, right? Like then Joe's body, even though it still looks like Joe, Would is going to be behave exactly. completely exactly. differently, absolutely, from how uh, Joe would in his own body, and also with the cat, like uh, he's not going to behave purely like a cat he's stuck in a cat's body so he's tied to physical attributes of a cat right but it's still joe inside so how do you show joe coming through in that and 22 out of joe's body and both of them in this in a scene together talking um with some complicated mechanics right. like physical mechanics going on like there was a shot where they're walking in new york city uh, and they're talking about how to pronounce a euro, uh -huh. um, the, the the Greek role. Uh -huh. They're arguing about like if it's a gyro or a euro. Right. And um, but they're walking. The camera is like kind of looking at them from a top-down three-quarter mm -hmm. angle, which is a hard angle to animate from. Right. But there's like Joe Cat is on twenty-two Joe's shoulder. Mm -hmm. She's walking and eating a euro mm -hmm. while talking to him. Mm -hmm. And they're also like kind of slightly on the lookout for where they're going. Right. So there are all these things in play along with the actual like acting within right. that, um, that I kind of had to balance um, in, in the scene. No, again, I must say you opened my eyes again because I I would have never given a thought about the fact that let's say when the soul of one character is in the body of another character, the body will behave in a very different way because the soul is trying yeah. to control it. And that that's something which I would have seen the movie. Of course, the other movies, there are other movies also where this similar, uh, let's say, idea has been used. But I never thought of it that they would react or behave in a different way. Dude, that's that's a new thing for me. Thank you so much for that. I. I know for a fact in future. But hopefully it's invisible that you just Yeah, exactly. You believe it when you watch the film, you just accept it as an audience. Exactly. That's where our job, like that's where it gets interesting, is where we have to just make it invisible. Right. And you guys did a great job, I must say, at that. Because until now I never thought about it. It was just a normal thing that happened. Dude, amazing. Amazing. Okay. Uh what what projects are you working on right now? Uh, right now, so after Seoul, I finished up on 
another film that's coming out soon, Luca, mm-hmm. uh, from Pixar this this summer. So I spent uh, almost all of the pandemic working on okay. that. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, from from home, and that was another great experience. Like very, all all these projects are they all have very different vibes and experiences mm-hmm. that you get from it because of the people involved who's, right. who's directing and producing like what are their tastes like and how do they like to run things mm-hmm. um, all of that kind of affects what your experience is on a show um yeah so i, I was on luca and and now i'm, in, I'm on um an unannounced film mm-hmm. so I, I can't really sure. mention what it is really but it'll come out at, at some point <laughs> right down the line um hey, that reminds me for soul uh, did you work with pete doctor as well like did you get the chance of like being with that guy yeah i mean as animators we're working with with the directors I mean, we're working for them but right like with them on whenever we show our work we're showing to the director directly right. so um yeah pete was of course there anytime any of us were showing there's um once you get into production, like shot production, mm-hmm. where you're actually animating the shots in the film, there's this thing called dailies, where mm-hmm. every day there's like a, a lot of amount of time where whoever, whoever like wh- whichever animators want to show what they're working on, they just show in this big screen mm-hmm. um, in front of Pete or whoever the director is. Right and uh you you get feedback from them and um, wow animators can can come in and watch and also chime in uh, that that's something at, at pixar uh we do pretty often is like there's generally some kind of healthy discussion mm-hmm. going on between the directors and the animators like trying to get the best idea on on screen Wow, like being in the same room with Pete Doctor, my God, and especially for a child who was growing up in Chennai, uh, watching Pixar movies and probably getting inspired. Right, monsters Inc. I mean, yeah, I was a kid when I, uh, yeah, I must have been like. Yeah, monsters would have come out six, during that time, six right? Six or seven when I was watching Monsters Inc. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was uh, it's pretty pretty awesome to yeah it seemed to be like that the whole circle completing again i love these stories yeah. for this one reason that the circle completes in some way or the other i love that okay cool yeah. so uh cool and and, and uh, we spoke about your professional thing so far so just probably quickly looking into your personal projects as well something that you're doing something that you're planning for the future anything um yeah i'm trying to uh we'll see how this goes i'm trying to make a short film oh in in my spare time among other things I'm helping out on mm-hmm. uh, someone else's project. So there are always things that I'm trying to do. And then um, also uh, or just starting to work on a children's book. Mm. Uh, so yeah, a few things going on, but there, there's not much I can say about it, except that it's keeping me pretty busy. Pretty busy, right? Yeah. Okay. 
perfect perfect thank you so all right so this has been a good conversation i i did have a few more questions because i wanted to learn a little more about let's say or understand a little more about the animation process as such but uh, i'll probably keep it for a later future episode if you would be interested in joining us back for maybe a, another white right so um parking those questions to that but yeah for today uh, to close it because i know it's pretty late for you as well uh, the time difference and everything so we'll probably take this conversation to a close with the last few questions and then of course uh, we'll probably see again in the future if possible right so uh, okay. to close this turn uh, to close this i have a couple of questions which i ask my guests uh, pretty much every single time i'll i'll start off with a slightly different question for you though and of course i'll go back to them uh, as an artist or as an let animator artist let's say somebody in the art uh, industry what is this one thing that you are scared of the most what is one personal fear that you have as an artist um that is a good question what am i afraid of complacency mm-hmm. i th- i think for a, a lot of artists that's like a, a pretty good thing to be fearful of is not getting uh, too complacent meaning like mm-hmm. getting stuck in some kind of routine of what you're doing or what you're uh how you're executing your work you you always want to make sure you're keeping it fresh in in some way mm-hmm. uh and constantly trying to learn whatever you can uh absorb as much as you can so one character from let's say all the uh, cartoons and let's say animated movies that you were watching while growing up uh one character that you would love to animate if given a chance oh I I I don't like this question only because I the answer is I don't I don't want to animate any of them. Oh. Because the thing, the thing is for me they're all they all hold such a special place like all the characters that I love that I don't want to a screw it up and b <laughs> have it taint my image of of the what I remember. Makes right. Sense. like i would love i mean it would be cool to animate the toy story characters but i actually really don't want to i'm i'm glad i came to pixar after they finished toy story 4 because <laughs> it it didn't give me a chance to to touch those characters too much now, I, don't, i don't know how i i don't know if i will if it will stay the same that right. remained the same but um like all the characters that i love and the properties that, that i love Hmm. um i i actually don't want to animate them like peter parker came very close um hmm. to that i got to animate peter parker but it was such a different peter parker than Absolutely. what i grew up with like Absolutely. the same raimi uh films from the early 2000s hmm. uh i loved those as a kid hmm. but this peter parker was fairly different the spider verse peter parker he was different enough that i didn't connect the two as much when I while working right. on him the pressure was uh-huh. less yeah he's not i'm not animating dobby mcguire dobby mcguire right 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 yeah it's not that so i was okay with that you know but uh <laughs> yeah I, i don't want to animate anyone i just want to like admire them that's all okay but uh, okay i'm i'm going to spin this question one last time with the same question so let's say uh, pixar happens to make one of its or disney pixar whoever let's say right uh, 
plans to remake or remaster not remaster remake one of the old classic animated movies right like you take it like lion king little mermaid whatever right uh what is that one movie that you would like to be a part of like that that project you'd like to be a part of let's say a remake of one of the classics uh again none of them i don't <laughs> i don't want to work on them <laughs> i so tried to corner you with this <laughs> yeah okay no. okay okay <laughs> sure there there two i it would just uh taint what what i feel about them you know mm-hmm. so i i just want to avoid it like i so i love working on original things because mm. that i i get to be part of creating this new on its own but i'm not um getting in the way of it's almost like it's legacy right potentially ruining it or it ruining my like what i think of it you know cuz mm. once you're in the weeds then like some ugly stuff can happen mm-hmm. in a project that you don't want it to get too attached to the actual thing you're working on you know makes so, sense um yeah okay i i also just happened to notice at the end of our conversation that the t-shirt you were wearing has uh, that uh, father character from onward in it right Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I I did not notice yeah. that. So did you? Uh, so I know you were an onward as well. Uh, by any chance, did you get to uh, animate this character, the father, the especially the legs of the father? Yeah, dad legs. Uh, there was a shot where I, he was kind of in the corner of the shot. He wasn't really in focus, mm-hmm. but he was just kind of standing there. I think he did like one little step, mm-hmm. just as a keep alive. um so yeah, i i guess i animated him but not not really not really yeah, but that was so it must have been yeah. such a cool thing to animate right like just one part of the body without like having the upper half at all uh the way right. it, yeah, yeah. I, i it was cool to see the actual animators who who mm-hmm. really did it you know i i didn't do enough to to say mm-hmm. much about it sure sure uh, okay All right so finally taking things towards the closure uh, of the episode so a couple of questions uh, according to you who is an artist anyone who thinks creatively creatively about anything like it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't need to be visual arts or even performance mm-hmm. arts it can literally be like you can be a programmer but if you're thinking of um if you're trying to solve like any almost any kind of problem solving mm-hmm. is creative on its own so like yeah artist is such a loose term for me like i don't even know if we should be throwing around the word that much mm-hmm. or we should be throwing it around to more people but i yeah i, I don't totally know what it means but um i feel like a- anyone who's doing any kind of creating or creative. problem solving like you you have to be creative right so sure okay yeah. um anything that you dislike about the art world today anything that you feel should change uh you're ending this podcast on a negative no <laughs> no but that's okay we should like both sides of the coin important definitely yeah i think at times it can be i think people can start to get competitive mm-hmm. in in a not healthy way and i i don't think that's great mm-hmm. um 
luckily the, the large part of my um experience so far has been really good so mm. i haven't had to face much of that um or really any of that to be honest but i've just kind of seen it um you know happen sometimes and that 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 part of it isn't isn't the best but you know it's definitely not ruining the art world right but i i guess it's a necessary evil in a way mm -hmm. uh i mean unless you see people being unhealthy competitors mm -hmm. uh like in a in a negative way then you won't know to to not be that way right <laughs> like right um so that, that's all i mean I mean, as long as you don't probably but it, it, it it's more beneficial for everyone when um you're all constructive about um mm. the way you look at each other like you're not competing right with with each other you're kind of like if you think of it more as you're learning from each other and working with each other that ends up being more beneficial to everyone and whatever it is you're working on makes sense so, okay yeah all right sure sure see this was not that negative as well it was it was quite real that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay the last question uh ending more on a philosophical note let's say uh why do you make art you just told us that you've been doing it forever and everybody else stopped while you just kept on going like from your friends group at least uh yeah. why why do you still do it why do you make art i don't i don't really know like it's, it's the thing that i could do so i kept doing it mm. and it gives me it does give me comfort mm -hmm. in in a way getting to do it um and it's very engaging to me like it's very interesting mm. to do this work so that's why I, i do it i mean yeah hopefully when you if you're getting into something you have an interest yeah in yeah i i got into it because the, it was the only thing i could do sort of well i guess and it also happens to engage me well so right Great. best of both worlds you win win perfect all right thank you thank you tarun this was good this was of course my last question to you for this episode at least i definitely do plan to call you back again soon but uh, okay. thank you so much man thank you so much for uh, sharing all of this your journey with us uh, for spending this time of course and for uh, being super patient and answering all the questions uh thanks a ton man thanks a ton for that i really appreciate it i love this conversation oh awesome no thank thank you for having me it was awesome thank you thank you so that was it i really hope you enjoyed this conversation with tarun i of course have added the links to his work to the show notes below and uh, while you're doing that uh, make sure to subscribe to this podcast as well we'll see you again next week cheers